Well, I heard the story about three pastors who had gone to a convention and they had decided to uh, save some money by spending the night in the same room with one another. And it got later in the evening and one of them just kind of piped up, kind of maybe beckoned back to his college or high school days and he had said, hey, let's, uh, let's share our deepest sin with one another. Let's confess it. And they were a little taken back, but they said, okay, well, you go first. And he said, okay, no problem. He said, uh, when I'm on trips like this, uh, I like to go to the boat and do some gambling. And uh, when I don't have much money to bet, I, well, I just reach into the offering plate and I take some money out and use that. Well, they were like frightened by that and they couldn't believe what this guy was saying. And he goes, well, it's, it's your turn. And so the next one says, well, uh, I use most of my time in the office downloading illegal music. And then I burn some CDs and hand out the albums to the high school kids and charge them five dollars a piece. And they said, well, what about you? And the third guy says, you know, guys, I've got to tell you, I, I can't control my tongue. I am like the worst gossip in the church, and I can't wait to get out of this hotel room and go make some phone calls. <laughs> you know, that's funny, but, uh, but sin is no laughing matter. Um, Ted Haggard was a successful pastor for 22 years until his ministry collapsed in 2006 after he confessed to a homosexual affair and about a year's worth of drug addiction. You know, he had a lot to be successful for. He found a new life church in Colorado Springs, Colorado, a church that under his leadership had grown to almost 12,000 in attendance. He was the leader of the National Association of Evangelistics, who represented about 45,000 churches and more than a million people. And yet somehow, even though he was the spiritual advisor to President Bush, he was tricked and allured, allured to, uh, to sin. And that sin cost him all the good that he had done. It had ruined his life. And now Ted Haggard is remembered as a failure and for his downfall. You know, every organization that he was a part of was hurt by his sin. And, you know, we'd often like to think that sin is a lot of pleasure. But the truth is it's temporary pleasure filled with a lot of pain that goes along with it. A great example of this is a guy from the Bible, a guy by the name of Achan. Achan's found in Joshua chapter 7, his sin becomes notorious with holding back a large group of people, and God punishes them for one sin in his life. In the book of Joshua chapter 7, we're introduced to the general of the armies of Israel. His name is Joshua, and he has just led some men into their homeland. The Bible refers to this homeland as the promised land. Sometimes it's called the land of Canaan, but it is their land. It's been a promised land that God had promised the people But the only problem was there were some squatters that had taken their rights to it, even though it wasn't for them. These squatters had built villages and towns, and they had built some cities with some fortified walls. They had really made it their own. And God had said, go into that area and reclaim that land. Push the squatters off. That's your promised land, not theirs. Now catch this. Everything was going good for Israel if they just obeyed. That's the theme of this story. Everything will go good if they just obey God. The Jordan River caused a natural boundary before the promised land, and that had to be crossed before the armies of Israel could go in there and push the squatters off of their rightful land. And that waterway was swollen because of flood season and God had said, if you just take one step into that water, just put one little step, one step of faith in the water, 
I'll part those waters miraculously and you'll walk across on dry ground. They followed God. They took that one step of faith. God lived up to his promise. Miraculously, the waters parted and everything went good for them because they obeyed. They came to a city called Jericho. Jericho was one of those fortified cities of these squatters and God had said in a very prescribed manner, if you march around the city and do it my way in complete obedience, there'll be a miracle that will take place. The walls will come tumbling down. You won't even have to lift a little finger to fight your enemy. I'll do that for you, but you just have to obey. The people of Israel, they obeyed and life went good for them. God had said, though, to the people of Israel, if you march into that city and you overtake it, don't take any of the loot for yourself. All the gold items, all the possessional items that have some kind of value, you bring those to a common storehouse because those are going to be a great offering to the Lord. And if Israel would have just obeyed, everything would have gone good for them and they would have experienced all sorts of victory. But there was disobedience by a guy by the name of Achan. Let's discover his story in Joshua chapter 7, verse 1. It says, But the Israelites were unfaithful in regard to the devoted things. That's what God had classified the, the values, the, the treasures, the plunder of Jericho. God called them the devoted things. And they were unfaithful. Achan, son of Carmi, son of Zimri, son of Zerah, of the tribe of Judah, took some of them. So the Lord's anger burned against them. Now let me stop for a moment. Let me ask this question. If everything was going so well for Achan, if life was good, if he just obeyed God, why do you think it is that he decided to risk this fruitful life that he had going for him with God's blessing on it and disobey and have the potential to ruin his life? I guess you could ask the same kind of question uh, like this. Why does an alcoholic continue to go and drink? Even though there's moments of sobriety where they know that they're hurting themselves and they're hurting their family. Or maybe you can ask the question in this way. Why would a woman seek attention from a man who's only looking for a momentary time of pleasure, knowing that when she wakes up in the morning and gets into her car, she'll be filled with all sorts of regret. Or you could ask the question like this. Why does a student cheat knowing that full well, if caught, there could be a a failing letter grade? Or you might ask the question like this. Why might a business person cheat on their taxes and say they made less than they actually did, knowing that there could be heavy and steep fines put against them and knowing that there is even the possibility of imprisonment. I don't know why, but I do know that there is an alluring attraction that we have to sin. And we think, even though we know the consequences, maybe it won't find us and we'll be able to somehow get away with it. You know, I know we're all tempted differently in this room we all have different things that attract our eye and things that tempt us in in thought and Achan was tempted by wealth he saw a gold bar and he took it he saw some silver and he took it he saw a robe and he took it a robe he was willing to disobey God because he thought he needed a robe he thought he needed about $1,300 worth of silver and about $23,000 worth of gold and he was willing to ruin and risk his entire life really nothing 
of eternal value. So here's what happens. God recognized that somebody had disobeyed him. God knows all things, right? He knows our hearts. He knows the number of hairs on our head. He knows us better than we know ourselves. And he knew that somebody in Israel had, had sinned, had disobeyed. And so things weren't going to go well for them anymore. This is the trick of Satan. He believes us to think that we can get away with it, that we can just not really have any consequential matters to our sin. And this is what Achan thought. No, really, a gold bar, a little bit of silver and a robe, that's not going to hurt anything. And so Joshua, being told by God that someone has stolen, Joshua does a full investigation. It is launched and it's narrowed down finally to a guy named Aiken. Aiken's brought to the interview room. He's put underneath the hot light. General Joshua is there. Verse 19, let's read it together. The guy cracks under the pressure. Here's what Joshua said. Verse 19. Aiken replied, or Joshua says, tell me what you've done. Do not hide it from me. And Achan replied in verse 20, it's true, I've sinned against the Lord and, and the God of Israel. This is what I've done. When I saw the plunder, a beautiful robe from Babylon, 200 shekels and, and, uh, of silver and a bar of gold weighing 50 shekels, I coveted them and took them. And they're hidden in the ground inside my tent with the silver underneath. I want you to catch something in those verses real quick. Stay there. Look at the progression of sin because it's a progression of sin that we oftentimes wander down as well. I saw, I coveted, I took. I saw, I coveted, and I took. I saw the robe, I coveted the robe, I took the robe. You know, when I think about my sin, that's the same kind of progression that I have. When I was in the fourth grade, I had stole a pencil off my teacher's desk Hasn't been my only sin. I've done worse, but this is the one I'm willing to admit. (laughs) You know, she listens to some of these sermons on our podcast, and so let me just make a confession here. Miss Ginchy, it was me who stole your pencil in 1986, and you don't remember this moment, I'm sure, but I do. Isn't that the way it works with sin? I... Remember the pencil. It was a dark blue pencil. It had uh, the letters of our elementary school stamped into the side of it, and the uh, eraser on it was still fresh, which is a big deal for a fourth grader. You need a pencil with a fresh eraser. I remember that the words were highlighted with gold, and I saw it, I coveted it, and I took it. Don't we do the same thing with nearly every single sin? We see it or we think it, we covet it, we imagine it, we want it to come to fruition or we take it. That's the progression, isn't it? Achan is no different than us. It's just that Achan was called out on it because his sin ruined his life and ruined the community that he was a part of. And it made no difference to us. It makes no difference to us what kind of consequences we know could happen as the result of a sin. It makes no difference to us if we know this is displeasing God. For something within us, we have this attraction, this alluring trick of Satan that it will all go well for us even if we disobey God. But the truth is, things will not go well with us when we disobey God. Things will not go well with us when we choose to live or continue in sin. So let me, let, let me just share some lessons with you from, from Aiken's life. Here's the first one. Sin has the power to destroy you. And it has the power to destroy others, probably whom you love as well. 
You see, everything was going well for Israel if they just obeyed God. But when Achan stole the devoted things, it led to a series of tragic events and everyone in the group was affected by these things. The battle of Jericho, God had commanded Joshua and the armies before that battle happened that after the battle, he was going to go and take over another city, the city of Ai. And that was going to be an easy victory as well if they just obeyed God and did what, did what he had asked of them to do. And so 3,000 men went over to take over the city of Ai after the battle of Jericho. But 36 of them were killed. The Bible says that they were routed, meaning they had to retreat. And there wasn't victory. There was actually disgrace. And when the people heard about the enemy getting the upper hand on the armies of Israel, it says the hearts of the people melted and they became like water, which is a really biblical way to say they were scared of their enemy. They were freaking out, shaking in their boots. They thought God was going to be able to give them this impressive victory. They had no idea that sin had crept into their camp and that God had removed his blessing from their life. They didn't know that. They didn't know that sin was going to destroy one man and going to begin to destroy them. Everything was going to be easy for them if they just obeyed. But now the entire nation was going to be punished because of one man's sin. Friends, let me tell you something. It's so important to walk in righteousness, not just today, but in every single moment of our life. One sin is not insignificant. Don't be tricked by Satan to believe that your sin, great, small, white lie, whatever it might be or titled, is insignificant to your life or to this community of body of believers. It's not. It will destroy you. It will derail your family. It will ruin you. As a matter of fact, the Bible says in Ecclesiastes, one sinner destroys much good. Moses wanted to go into the promised land with Joshua. But in his anger and his sin, he hit a rock. And God said, you know what? That kind of anger is going to stop you from getting into the promised land. That sin, well, that sin, you're not going to see the blessing that you want to see. King David took an unauthorized census. God said, don't take the census. A census, come on. But yet, David disobeyed and 70,000 people were put to death because of his disobedience. Jonah tried to run away from God in his disobedience and not become a faithful preacher of his word and a whole crew of men on a ship nearly lost their lives because of Jonah's disobedience. Eve took a bite of the apple. Adam followed along. God told him not to take a bite from the knowledge of the tree of good and evil. And what happened? That one little sin Well, hasn't it seen its effects continually in all our lives? Through one man, Adam, all sin was ushered in. You see, one sin does matter. That's what I want you to catch you see. One sin does matter. It's important that we recognize that even the smallest sin has great impact. It impacts your family. It impacts your life. One sin can destroy the loving relationship that you have with your spouse or with your children. One sin can destroy a company and put it under. Friends, Let me remind you that one sin can bring a lot of pain to other people that sit in these pews with you. The Bible says that we're all in this together, this church thing. We're in this together. And I know that my sin as a leader affects you. I I know that your sins affects the rest of us. It has a rippling effect here. The Apostle Paul says that we carry influence amongst each other, that we 
are a part of this body and we develop together and we work well together. But you know what happens when we get sick? When we get physically sick, don't you? When, the, when, when, when sickness infects us, we get headaches and our blood pressure rises and we just don't work as well. We get achy, we get crabby, and we get upset. We're not working the right way in which we were designed to work. Well, when sin infects this body of believers, we don't work the same way. We don't, we don't live up to the ministry that God has allowed us or wants us or blessing us to live up to. You see, when one suffers, we all suffer. And here's what I'm challenging you to today, is to, to remember that Satan is our enemy, and he wants to see you destroyed. And he wants to see your family blown up. And he wants to see your business ruined. And he wants to see this church become ashes and dissipate. So be alert and sober mind because your enemy, the devil, prowls around you like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. So resist him and stand firm in the faith because one man's sin has the potential to derail the efforts of the entire group. You know, after I had stolen the pencil from my teacher's desk, she returned immediately and she noticed that it was gone. Of course she did. And after she searched around a little bit and hunted for it, got underneath her desk and crawled all over the place, she came to the conclusion, it's gone. And so she asked a question which had a lot of grace in it. Has, has someone borrowed my pencil? It's missing from my desk. What an easy way out. Yes, I borrowed the pencil. But I wasn't going to fess up. I saw, I coveted, and I took. And you know what else I did? I hid. That's what I did. And so she knew that somebody finally had taken her pencil, and she then made a statement. She said, if I don't have my pencil back on my desk before recess, then none of us will go to recess today. Well, I wasn't going to fess up that I took the pencil. My pride got the better of me, and we sat in recess on a beautiful Southern California day, and we copied out of the dictionary. You know, our sin not only affects our lives, it affects the lives of others, and it usually hurts the ones whom we love the most. Achan believed that he could hide the loot and put it in his tent and make sure that no one knew his dirty little secret, but that one sin, even though he thought it was in secret, was going to become the death of him. Look at verse 24 of Joshua 7. Then Joshua, together with all of Israel, took Achan, son of Zariah, the silver, the robe, the gold bar. So what did they do? They took him. They took the things he stole. See, it wasn't about getting the possessions back. It was about the disobedience that he blatantly had towards God's asking, his request. So they took the gold bars, his sons and his daughters, his cattle, his donkey, his sheep, everything, his tents, all that he had, everything Achan had to the valley of Achor. Verse 25, Joshua said, Why have you brought this trouble on us? The Lord will bring trouble on you today. Then all of Israel stoned him. And after they had stoned the rest, meaning they killed his family, they burned them. That sounds like a little much, doesn't it? Over Achan, they heaped up a large pile of rocks, which remains to this day. Then the Lord turned from his fierce anger. You know, one little sin has the power to ruin your life, but it also has the power to ruin the life of those around you. Achan's whole family was completely destroyed, judged, and met their maker that day because of 
Achan's sin. Do you think when he stole the robe and the silver and the gold bar, he knew that his sin would have that kind of rippling effect? He had no idea of the pain and the sorrow that was going to cause to the rest of his family. But you need to be reminded that your sin and my sin has the power to ruin our life and ruin the lives of others. Here's the second thing we can learn from Achan. Deal with sin immediately and meaningfully. Go to verse 16 with me and notice how quickly the leadership of Israel dealt with Achan's sin. Verse 16. Early the next morning, Joshua had Israel come forward by tribe and Judah was chosen. The next day, Joshua says, I'm not going to put this off for a few weeks and maybe it will kind of take care of itself. I'm not going to push this underneath the rug and just hope that maybe it might kind of go away and no one will remember what took place here. He didn't say, you know what, someone else should do this. This is not something that I need to take care of. No, he said sin has entered the camp. I'm going to deal with this sin and I'm going to do it immediately. I heard the story about uh, a mother who'd came home Five of her kids were on the porch by the front door and they were looking at something intently huddled together right in front of the house and mom wanted to see what it was and so she snuck up on them and she looked over their shoulder and she, she screamed out, oh my, baby skunks right in the middle of them that the children were playing with. She said, kids, run! And they all grabbed a skunk and they ran into the house. <laughs> you know, things can go from bad to worse really quickly. And if you allow sin to linger in your life, sin will take you further than you want to go. It will keep you longer than you want to stay. And it will cost you more than you want to pay. And things can go bad to worse quickly. And sin needs to be dealt with immediately. You know, when it becomes apparent that sin is in your life, get rid of it. When it becomes apparent that sin is in the life of someone else whom you love, call them out on it. Years ago, the Catholic Church had an abuse scandal within it. And the public was astonished because of it. Not because they didn't believe that someone in a leadership capacity would abuse their power and sin. But like Pope Francis said on his latest visit to the United States, Because the church didn't handle the reprimand and the abuse of power swiftly enough. You know what he's saying? We were lackadaisical in dealing with the sins that were found within this church. And because of that, factually, people had walked away from that institution. Because sin wasn't dealt with quickly and meaningfully. And when Achan's sin was found out and things were stolen, God discovered, God told Joshua, and Joshua said to him in verse 25, look at verse 25, why did you bring this trouble on us? Achan, look what you've done. Now look what it says, the Lord will bring trouble on you today. You were tricked in believing that this was good for your life, but let me tell you something, it was bad for your life. Following God would have been good for your life. Then all of Israel stoned them, and they stoned the rest of them, and they burned them. Joshua didn't waste any time with this. Notice, too, that it was dealt with meaningfully. This is important. 
Joshua had commanded Israel before the battle of Jericho in uh, Joshua chapter 6. He had told them, if you steal anything from this city, God's favor, God's hand of protection will be against us. And not only against us, but the one who steals the devoted things. You will be completely destroyed. Here's the thing. Achan knew what would happen. He knew what would happen if he took he saw, if he coveted, if he took, he knew the destruction that was going to come on him and the destruction that could possibly come on his family. And here's Joshua, and he looks at Achan, and he says, I wasn't making empty threats here. I was serious about what I said. God is serious about what he's telling us here. And he doesn't show Achan any grace. He doesn't show Achan any kind of mercy. He just shows Achan the punishment that he deserves, and he administers the full sentence of his crimes. And Joshua's actions here are not those of a heartless leader, Joshua's actions are those of someone who says, I'm looking out for the betterment of this entire group here. And I want to make sure that people know that when God speaks and he asks us to follow, that it's for our best and things go well with you when you listen and obey. Take care of sin in a meaningful way. Here's how Jesus taught it. Jesus said, if your right eye causes you to sin, poke it out and throw it away. It's better for you to lose one part of your body than the whole body to end up in hell. Now, Jesus is speaking in hyperbole. He's not literally suggesting that we go and mutilate our bodies to stop sinning. What he is implying is that we go to drastic steps, though, to make sure that we handle the sin in our life uh, in a meaningful way, to get rid of it. You know, one sin should be dealt with quickly and meaningfully. Look at verse 26. Over Achan, it says, they heaped a pile of rocks. And it remains to this day. Then, now catch this, then the Lord turned from his fierce anger. Catch that. Three things about that that verse real quick. They buried Achan and they left his sins behind. Catch that. They buried Achan, they left his sins behind. Does it sound kind of familiar to maybe a New Testament experience? We bury ourselves in the baptistry. We're buried with Christ and we're raised to walk a new life, leaving our sins behind. Second, they pile up the rocks to serve as a reminder that sin has destructive power. So I guess when families and children would walk by it, they'd say, Dad, why that big pile of rocks? And they could say, because 20 years ago, this guy named Achan blew it. And let that be a reminder to you to follow after God because when you follow after God, good things follow. There's blessings in following after God. Here's the third thing. The Lord turned from His fierce anger. Notice what happened. There was a restoration of blessing that came back towards the nation. They got rid of the sin. They removed the sin. They put their sins behind them. And God's blessing went back on their life. And from that moment forward, in the book of Joshua, they experience a series of victories. There's a following that is faithful. Things go well with them for a time because they, they have decided to follow after God and never to disobey again. They learned the lesson from Achan. So here's the last thing I want you to know. That God has the power God has the power to use your sin and to turn it into a blessing. He has the power to do this. You know, some of the most important lessons we learn are as a result of our failures. Have you found that to be true? I'll never do that again. That hurt too bad. Honey, if you ever see me doing that again, call me out on it. 
Because I saw the way in which it has ruined our relationship. Henry Ford had said, a mistake is an opportunity to begin again more intelligently. I have so many ways that I could learn. I should be a very wise man by now. Joshua learned from his past mistakes. Achan, well, he never got a chance to. But you do. You know, God is gracious with us and He gives us a chance to try it again. I love this. After the battle of Ai failed because of Achan's sin, God said to those in Israel, go and fight that battle again. My blessing, my hand is upon you. You have now gotten rid of sin. Go be victorious. The Apostle Paul puts it like this to us. We are more than conquerors. Some of you in this room, you don't feel like conquerors. You feel like Achan. You've saw, you've coveted, you've took, you've hid. And God says, would you just wake up for a minute? I'm giving you another chance, another chance. God is a God of second chances. You, you meet a guy by the name of Noah who we've talked about earlier. He flees from God. He runs from God. And so God says, no, 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 Noah. I have a special mission in your life. You're to go and preach to the city of Nineveh and ask them to repent and show them that I love all people. And, and, and Jonah says, that, that just can't be God. And so God sends a great fish. Swallows them whole, spits them out on Nineveh. I'm sure there was a signpost there that said Nineveh, 12 miles ahead. And I love the way chapter 3 starts after, after, after Jonah has been spit out of the well. It says, and the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Brother, you just got another chance from the Lord. You and I have sinned, and you know what? We're going to sin again. It's going to happen. And we need to make sure that we're striving for righteousness because God's blessing comes with those who obey Him. Psalm 37, verse 24 says, Though He stumbles, that's you and me, He will not fall. We'll stumble, but we don't need to fall. We can, we can stumble forward. For the Lord upholds him with his hand. You know, I understand when there's setbacks in life, when there is sin that comes into our camp, into our family, into our life, it can be very discouraging. We can be left wondering, God, am I really worth it? Do you really still want to carry on with me? Because Satan's trick is, you're going to get away with it. But when you're discovered, you know what Satan's trick is? Guilt. You're not good enough to move forward from it. But you know what? God can forgive you. God can have you walk away from those sins and it requires a life change, a heart change, a change of mind. And you know the worst state, mistake we can make is not trying at all and not taking God up on His second chance, third chance. We're more than conquerors. And some of you in this room, you need to be reminded of it. You're more than a conqueror because you have Jesus Christ in your life. And God is gracious and He wants, he wants you to try again, but He also wants you to try it His way. This is important. He wants you to try it His way. Achan tried it his way and there was success. He crossed the Jordan. The walls of Jericho fell. But then somewhere along the journey, sin become, became too much for him to handle and he gave in to all that temptation. The Bible says, God's way is perfect. All the Lord's promises prove true. He is a shield for all who look to him for protection. You know one of the things about our God that is so great is that He gives us the opportunity to turn our life around. He gives you the opportunity today to make a, a new change in life. Even though you might have harmed people and harmed yourself, God says, let's start this thing all over again. It's called grace. 
It's, it's something we don't even deserve, but God had saw fit that we, we receive it. The scripture teaches us that there's a way that seems right to man. But in the end, it leads to death. There's a road that we travel that seems correct, but it actually leads down to a place of destruction. But that's to say also that there's another road. A road that leads to life. And let me tell you the, the name of that road. The name of that road is Jesus. And he leads to life. And he calls us to repentance. And I wish Achan would have learned his lesson. And he would have never had to go through the I wish I would have learned my lesson. And never had to go through the problems that sin causes. And just would have been obedient and stay obedient to God. And walked in his blessings. Because our ways lead to death. But friends, here's the catch. God's ways. God's ways. They lead us to life.